stolen, hijacked, and borrowed. That's what I've done to get our guest for today in the office studio with us, Mr. Taylor Young from the Be Extraordinary podcast, partner of Urban Young Insurance, ex-UCF basketball player, current UCF radio color commentator for UCF basketball, and an overall great dude, married, father, and our guest today. You are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, along with... Taylor Young. Taylor Young. What's happening, brother? How are you doing today? That's an intro right there, man. You like that one? I'm like, yeah, I am married. I do have a kid. I'm like fired up over here. <laughs> um, you just reminded me of like my favorite scene of 8 Mile when Eminem is right. like the last battle. And he's like, I am this. I am that. Like, <laughs> that's true. That's, yeah. that's a good reference right uh, there. Yeah. And T.Y. went to a private school. Yeah, yeah. That's good, man. I'm going to watch that movie. That's an incredible movie, by the way. Yes. Uh, well, and the, the lead song from the soundtrack was like how I got through my first half marathon. It's Lose Yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, vomit on my yeah. sweater already, mom's spaghetti. Yeah. But then there's like some low-key tracks that are way better, but they weren't as mainstream. Like Run, Rabbit, Run, I think. And like there was some really good – the 8-mile soundtrack was ridiculous. That was like Eminem and his prime popularity. So um, that would have been right after, hi, my name is, I don't know if I've actually listened to the whole entire soundtrack, but I'll have to circle back to it. Yeah, I feel like that takes me back to high school where that would be like on repeat on the way to, you know, school where you're all sleepy, tired. and. So um, for any of our fanatics who listen and tune into every episode, you're probably going to recognize Taylor because um, he was just on where we did a, a show all about insurance. Right, all about homeowners insurance and, and and auto insurance and the do's and don'ts and tips and tricks and um, this episode's not going to be all about insurance, right? It, insurance is is what you do for a profession, but it obviously doesn't uh, encapsulate exactly who you are. Um, but you do some very cool things with your own podcast, be extraordinary, which I'm still working on. I'm very good at being extraordinary. But I'm not very good at being extraordinary. I think that's like a, a lifetime achievement uh, goal that I may or may not achieve. Um, you also lead. I, I, how many associates are you guys up to now? I know you have multiple offices. We have what twenty salespeople or twenty yeah, total associates. It's total twenty. I, I believe it's it's twenty and and uh, two offices, two different markets: Melbourne, and Orlando. Okay, um, and one of the underlying themes of this particular podcast is everything you should have learned in high school, but didn't because it wasn't taught, right? It wasn't because you were skipping school to go to the best pickup game or you're skipping school to go to Chick-fil-A with your girlfriend. No, no, it, you didn't learn this because it just wasn't taught. Um, and I'm going to kick off our interview, if you want to call it that, our, our hangout time. This isn't much of an interview. So it's kind of like two friends hanging out. Usually we do this shop. over a beer. but Yeah, you know. yeah, over a beer, over tacos, or very interesting story. And, and I don't want to divulge too many details. But the way we met is still one of my favorite, favorite stories to tell. Because we're two Orlando kids, both born and raised here. Both went to UCF. I about 10 years uh, before TY. But... Um, we're up in Michigan because UCF, our beloved Knights, are taking on the Michigan Wolverines. It was our, it was really an opportunity to go to the big house. That's right, right. And so we go, and uh, UCF covers the spread, but they lose the ball game. And, and back then, until I really cared about, it, like, did we cover the spread? Priorities. Um, we got to experience the big house. It was a noon game, um, and uh, by about three thirty, 
my wife and, and uh, my best friend Joey and his wife found ourselves in a bar. Um, then we found ourselves in a second bar. And it was in that second bar, we run into this, this, this guy, Taylor Young, and, and his two or three buddies. And you know how life works. One thing led to another. Next thing you know it, it's 1.30. We're bottle service at like our fifth bar of the night. That was after we had like crammed nine of us into an Uber right. to get across town because it was drizzling. Um, and ever since then, uh, we've, we've, we've become friends. Uh, we do business together. Um, it's just been an incredible relationship that I'm very fortunate for. Um, but you know, for, for those that don't know that story, it's a great story. It's a great one. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's more behind that story, but, um, that would require a couple more, uh, uh, you know, time slots would be a couple more, uh, pitchers of beer. And some of it just shouldn't be told. That's true. Yeah. It should be yeah. cherished. Yeah, it should be, it true. should be held inside for the, the eight of us or nine of us that were a part of it. Um, and we'll, uh, you know, as, as the years go by, but the stories will get, uh, richer and probably a little bit more full of shit. <laughs> That's true. But, the legend grows. <laughs> the legend. There you go. But no. So, um, back on my theme of like everything you should learn in high school, but didn't, um, thinking about that, what are some things that, that as a, as a business owner and as a father and, and, and as, um, you know, an, an employer and as a salesperson, um, as a podcast host, like what, what are things that you wish were taught to you or you hope are being taught today to the future generations? I think personal finance is number one and, and I'll take me out of it because it's, it's interesting. It's, I feel when you ask that question, I feel grateful for what I was taught as a kid. And I, I kind of like reframe the questions, like everything that wasn't taught by sports, right? The first thing that I think is that sports did a lot of the teaching. I had two great parents, great family. And uh, of course that was a part of it, but it was almost like what whatever was left over that I needed to learn. It seemed like sports taught me, whether it was the hard way or the easy way. Um, but I think personal finance is a big one. And I'm so glad that you use this platform to really discuss and dive into topics because you know, I think personal finance is such a big part of, of young people in their 20s and 30s. And, and that's those people need that information at that time, but they're not necessarily the incentives aren't alive, you know, aligned to cater to those people because I don't really have any money yet. And uh, so that's a big passion part for me. But so you were saying earlier um, on the previous show, you were explaining to the audience that uh, you were fortunate. Your father's a financial advisor. So um, a, a lot of what it's like growing up in my household where the dinner discussions are the lectures. Good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> yeah. But so I'm sure as most of us and our parents were trying to pass on their words of wisdom, maybe you didn't quite hear it or you didn't adhere to it. For you, it might have not been necessarily things that weren't taught to you, but maybe things that you didn't quite listen to right away. Yeah. And, and also in, in regards to my dad, I'm going to have to have him listen to this podcast now. Um, you know, he always gave the best lessons in like the most uh, like karate kid type way. Like I'll give you an example. And this is a lesson of, of what I think some people lack in sports taught me was, you know, in high school, I thought I was like this big time player and um, was at a smaller school. So I was like the guy in, in my head, you know, right. And and so I had a poor attitude, say my junior year, and I was kind of like throwing this body language fit. In what was it, it was this on the court? This is on, on the court, right? Okay. Like whatever. I don't even remember why I was upset or you know whether the first academy takes on Lake Mary Prep. Yeah, yeah, like some big time event, you know. And and so, uh, regardless, I mean, I had a great coach. He's still a mentor of mine. Um, but we bashed because I had a bad attitude at the time, right? I thought it was bigger than I, you know, whatever it may be. So I'll never forget that 
after that game. And so I wanted to come out of the game, but he wouldn't let me, right? So so we're playing this game and we're going up and down and no one's passing me the ball because my teammates are pissed at me, right? And 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 I'm like throwing a fit. I'm like embarrassed to tell this story, but that was, you know, I was a 17-year-old and so after the game and I'm like I, I'm I think I'm I'm hot shit. So after the game, my coach brings me in. He's he's fired up, right? And he sits me down in his office. I don't even think he talked to the team. He's just like, Taylor, you know, let me see you. And my dad's in there. And I'm like, what's my dad doing in here? Your right? dad? And he's like, is look. Well. He's like, look, I, it's my decision. I'm throwing you off the team. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Wait, your dad was throwing no, you off the team? No, no, no. My the dad's coach. sitting in there. Yeah, okay. my coach's like, I'm throwing you off the team. He's like, I'm not going to tolerate this, right? I don't remember what he said. But he's like, look, unless you significantly change, we will play your senior season or your junior season without you, right? And, you know, at this time, I'm getting recruited for, by colleges. And, and so that's important. I can't not play high school. Are you kidding me? Like, I'd have to transfer. And so it kind of hits me. And my dad has the opportunity. So, so then I look at my dad, right, like most kids would do. First of all, what is he doing in here? And second of all, what is he going to say? And in my head, I'm like, Dad, you better tell him what's up. You know, like, you need to tell him that, like, he needs me on this team and yada, yada. And my dad just looks at him and says, I'm with you, coach. And it taught me the best lesson. It was just such objective counsel to say, oh, no, I need to change me. I don't need to change the circumstance. I don't need to manipulate the circumstance. I need to change me. And until I do that, it's not going to improve. And I think that most people or a lot of people, me included, don't teach that lesson and learn that lesson early enough that you hold more power than you believe you do. And until you change you, your circumstances, whatever your bad behavior, whatever, whatever you want to blame it on. Um, so that's powerful. Yeah, no, it's, um, reminds me so many times I've, I've, uh, suggested to, um, sales professionals that maybe I was coaching or mentoring that it's the person in the mirror. Like it all starts with the person in the mirror. Like look at that person and ask that person some really tough, hard questions. Because more importantly, or most times, and most importantly, it's not the circumstances. It's not your surroundings. It's not your boss. It's not your employer. It's not the market. It happens to be that person in the mirror. Um, obviously, that's what your coach and then with your dad's support basically said to you, right? They're like, hey, um, things aren't working and it's because of you. Yes. That's a tough pill to swallow. Right. And, and my dad had the opportunity to resist and fight and defend his kid, but he chose to take the objective route and say, you are acting like a baby. You do have a bad attitude, so let's call it like it is. And it really changed the course of my next five to 10 years because, you know, once you get to college, you get plenty of situations that aren't fair, specifically in the sporting arena. And, you know, you're, you're, you're not as good as you think you are. You're not as big time. You're actually small time. And that was a gift that I was given when I was 17 that served me throughout, you know, my next couple. So you're able to take that very steps. humbling experience and you carried that through. Sure. Now, um, I, I was not fortunate to play uh, collegiate sports, um, just wasn't good enough. Um, man, that hurts to say I wasn't good enough, but it's the truth, right? I wasn't good enough. Um, can you elaborate a little bit? Like, what was it like then? Because were the harsh truths easier spoke at the next level? It, my experience at the next level, first of all, I mean, the fact that you didn't play college sport, I think my ankles and my shoulders and my hips, I don't think I was meant to play like past high school. <laughs> yeah. So my body like reminds me of that on a daily basis. Um, 
you know, for me, I think the biggest lessons I learned from going to the next level, just like anybody will tell you, is like everyone's the best player on their high school team or their traveling team. And then when you get to the next level, you realize that, you know, you're, you're not probably as good as you are at first or you think you are. But then like there's this other side when you start to get used to that and you start playing with people that are better than you that you go, yeah, you know what, though, but I'm not I'm not as far as as I once thought I was, and I can compete at this level, it's just going to take a lot of work. But uh, I think a big aha moment, specifically about college sports and basketball, you see a lot of transfers. You see a lot of people fail out of school. You see a lot of people. uh, uh, I had a freshman class. I think it was four of us total. It may have been three or four of us, but I was the only one that finished. Um, You know, one guy transferred out, got kicked out of school. Another guy just didn't make it. Um, Another guy my age, I can't remember if he actually came in or he joined the next year, but he was my age. Um, you know, got arrested. I mean, it's just so many things that I saw that like had nothing to do with the basketball that ultimately didn't allow them to continue and stay in the game. So I borrow a lot of that philosophy, whether it's business life or whatever it is, like a part of it is staying in the game and staying, you know, they say, what is it? Your best, uh, best assets, your availability. What is the sports saying that you, you being healthy and being available is a huge asset. Um, because when you're hurt and you can't play, you're, you're not worth it. Yeah. It's like, do you have stick with itness? Like the Grit. ability to stick with it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is so much. I remember when I first, uh, entered into the mortgage space, my, my degree from UCF is in advertising public relations. I worked in TV advertising for my first two or three years out, out of college. Then I got into the mortgage industry and uh, the first person who hired me, my hiring manager was a guy by the name of Steve Walsh. So anyone who is a fan of the U, the Hurricanes of the 80s or college football knows Steve Walsh was one of the badass quarterbacks on one of those 1987, you know, 88 teams that won a national championship, et cetera, et cetera. Um, his second career outside of professional football was in the mortgage industry. And I remember Steve Walsh literally telling me, if you can give me two years of your life, I can give you a rewarding, successful career. Hmm. Now, he didn't say at what level. He just said, basically, if you can stick with this for two years and follow the playbook, you know, just put one foot in front of the other, do as you're coached or encouraged to do, you will have success. But if you can't give me two years, you're wasting my time and your time. And I take that into business in general or anything that I'm looking to do. And it's like, if I can't dedicate at a minimum a year, but preferably two years, then maybe the timing is not right. Right. This podcast, for an example, this podcast was an idea that was inspired two or three years ago by the clients I've had over the past 15 years the loan officers I've been fortunate to be able to coach and mentor over the past 10 years, um, everything that I didn't learn in high school or things that I wish were talked about at my dinner table. And before we launched it, I had to wait for a time that I literally said, we're going to do this for two years. We're going to do this for two years to figure out a, how to do it, how to do it well, and to grow an audience. And if I couldn't dedicate two years to it, or in, in, in your stance, like the stick with it at, at the basketball program, then you're not going to get out of it what you set out to do. Because although you went to college to play basketball, it was more than just basketball, right? It was the life lessons you learned by playing basketball. It was the degree you earned by 
by being at, at UCF. What it, what it means to show up when you don't want to show up, you know, and do that over five years. I think that's probably the greatest gift. I think I think it had less to do with basketball in my case, you know, and I, I would consider myself an, an average at best college athlete, right? I didn't have this like, you know, national champion type experience, well, you, couldn't dunk, you know, right. You couldn't dunk. I, I wouldn't say couldn't. Okay. Uh, okay. I would say I preferred to stay behind the three point line when possible because it brings more value. Three is worth more than two. So, you know, we can have that debate, but no. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, I, I learned so many more like life lessons from hoops or sports or whatever it may be. And, and I'm grateful for that. I actually um, I don't identify as a basketball player, never have. And, and I think people get that wrong, but um I think you, you take it for the lessons it gives you. So was your first gig outside of uh, college hoops, you 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 uh, earn your degree, was it launching Urban Young? Yeah, it was. You know, it's funny. Now I'm just back on my dad again. I'm going to send him a text after this. Being like, <laughs> you taught me a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, we, I'm going into my senior year. And, and look, basketball is my life, right? So we're talking a lot about that from from whatever age, I don't know, four or five years old to, to at the time, 22 that's all I did, right? So I thought about it. that's what took most of my time. I really didn't have a lot of jobs outside of working summer camps because I was playing basketball, I was traveling, I was doing all that. And and then reality, my dad like going into my senior year, he's like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know. I mean, you're you got to get a job after this. <laughs> and like, of course, you know that you're going to school. You know, at some point, you're going to get a job and have a career. But I, it hit me. I was like, oh my god! I was so scared. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I know I'm not playing in the NBA. Like that's clear, but nothing else is clear. And my brother at the time was working as a producer, commission only, um, for another agency, actually located in Celebration, just uh, you know, however many miles outside of Orlando. And and so anyway, we had had some conversations. But I was going to get into like hospital management and kind of climb up that ladder. And then I did an internship at. Uh, what's now Advent Health. And look, they were great to me, but I just realized quickly that that it is wasn't not for you. what I was going to do. That's um, you know, it's interesting as, as you know, your, your daughter is one, right? Turning one or one in, yeah, yeah, June 29th, she'll be one. Um, so you, you have a, some years to go, but you know, I'm, I'm about a decade ahead of you. So I have a 12 year old and a 15 year old and with a 15 year old, like he's going to be a sophomore. And we're talking about like, well, what happens when you're a junior and a senior and what do you want to do when you, when, when you grow up and, you know, now I'm trying to instill like life lessons outside of personal finance and financial fitness. And one of the things that, that I draw on, and you just mentioned like your, your first, was it a job or an internship at the hospital? Internship, unpaid. Internship. Yep. In the summer. It taught you what you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. And what no. I don't want to wear, honestly. It, it, and, and what you don't want to wear. Like for me, I was fortunate. And this probably comes with the, one of the benefits of not playing collegiate sports. Like, look, at the end of the day, I think I was good enough to go to a, a division three. Baseball was my sport. I probably loved football more. I was just undersized at my position. Uh, maybe could have gone to a junior college, could have been a preferred walk-on somewhere, right. but it just wasn't for me. What I was able to do because I chose to to quit my um, quote-unquote athletic um, endeavors at the high school level, it allowed me to have something ridiculous like seven internships. I'm talking at a radio station for NFL Europe, for an online magazine, like legitimate internships and each and every one of them taught me what I didn't want to do when I grow up. Like it was fantastic because I, that those nine to 12 week internships. So for anyone who has, uh, um, you know, teenage kids or for anyone who is maybe younger in life, may, maybe you're in college and you're listening. Like I encourage all people 
as many internships as you can, because at a, at a minimum, it's going to teach you what you don't want to do. Yeah. And, and as much as you, and, and, and no one cares then, like if you find out earlier, like it doesn't matter yet, right? Like you don't have to go get a job yet. You don't have bills yet maybe, yeah. right? So like you can learn so much there before it actually is going to cause you pain. Um, so yeah, I think that's great advice. Where were we before I, uh, I you, what? you hit, you hit like a, a little, little spark there. Like one of my, one of my soapbox, I have many, many soapboxes that I oh, get I, on. I, and- I could tell you, uh, I think, um, one thing that I think growing up that people should hear. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people d- develop these identities of themselves at a young age. And like, for me, I'll, I'll share kind of an embarrassing vul- vulnerable part of my childhood was I was a mumbler. I, I just, my parents would get so embarrassed. They'd take me out to dinner with their, their friends or whatever it may be. And like, I was a mumbler. I just, I'd have my hand on my mouth, you know, and, and my mom would always be like, Taylor, you know, get your hand out of your mouth when you're talking to people trying to teach me etiquette and stuff, but it just never clicked. And so, you know, even getting to UCF and and everything like that, you start to get interviewed a lot. And I was just a poor interview. And uh, my mom gets the biggest did they, kick. Did they force you to the back of the line? Like, hey, only if time permits, we'll let you talk to number five. or whatever, whatever Well, I think early on, until I started playing, you know, like any sort of significant minutes or role on the team, you just don't get interviewed that much, <laughs> right? So, like, you know, that, that, that started happening. And then um, I was actually uh, reading a book, right? So, so it was very clear in my family that I was – anything but a public speaker. And actually I was probably a liability at the dinner table. Okay. Um, and way more on the liability side. So anyway, I was reading this book. It was, uh, it was Tony Robbins. It was, uh, unleash the power within. I don't know if you've read that book. I have not, but you were in college during this time. Yes. Okay. I was in college. I just kind of like started to introduce into personal development and maybe like reading some stuff. Did and- someone like, was it part of a class? Was it part of something that was assigned to you by the coaching staff? I'm I, just I curious. Think, I think my brother had read it. Um, okay. who served a lot as a mentor in a very indirect way, just because he's my older brother, right? So I kind of modeled certain okay. behaviors. And I think at that time, he maybe recommended that book and I got deep into it. And um, anyway, one of the things was, is, you know, say yes to some stuff that makes you uncomfortable. And and so then like the next day after I read that chapter, my mom, uh, she led an organization. Um, uh, she was the CEO of Florida Virtual School, founded, you okay. know, so on and so forth for, for many years, almost 20 years. And and so that organization would have these big uh, annual events where every remote teacher employee would come. And at times there was at this time in the progression of it, they had thousands of employees. And so she asked me, she was like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing. And she would always do the keynote, incredible public speaker, just a, a woman I have so much admiration for and love for, obviously. But um, she was like, hey, uh, would you want to come speak at the staff conference? And here I am like, what? You're like 21 years old. I don't want to speak at dinner like without <laughs> without a hand near my face, right? So of course I'm like this damn book is telling me that like I got to say yes to stuff that makes me super uncomfortable. And so I'm like, yes, you know, right? Like in a very Tony Robbins type way like, yes. <laughs> and uh nevertheless did the staff conference actually in whatever way in my relevance knocked it out of the park. And I got this like great sense of encouragement and it shifted my identity from somebody who was a mumbler to somebody who was a public speaker. And so now every interview I engaged in, I, I found joy in it and I liked it. And I and now I do the radio as a part-time gig. Like she just, my, my mom, my, if my mom was in here, she would laugh. She'd be what, like, um, the mumbling your, kid. Yeah. Do you remember what you spoke on? 
It was it was something relating to basketball. Okay. So it was something I knew. Uh, they had a YouTube video clip, and they had something else, and I think it was something about assisting or teamwork or something like that. Well, um, that, that's one thing I found with public speaking, whether it's personally or even like you know, me going through it and being the presenter or the moderator um, or even coaching others to do it. The first thing I would recommend is make sure it's something that you know so well mm-hmm. that you are the subject matter expert. Sure. It makes it way easier. And it also for, for mumblers or people who speak really fast or their ideas get jumbled when it transmits from brain to mouth. I find that all of that goes to the wayside the minute it's something that they are the subject matter expert. And then when you start studying it, it literally says before you go to speak, make sure you know the subject so well you can teach it. Um, and obviously it was easy for you to do that because basketball. I mean, you right. it, you probably didn't have to prepare because you had prepared since you were four. Sure. It was just talking about something that A, you loved and B, you knew and C, you were better than anyone else in the room. Maybe one or two people, maybe in their prime, were as good as you. But the odds were in your favor. Yeah. That you were the best person in the room. So you're the subject matter expert. It was it's easy true. for you to talk about it. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. So I guess that's a long way to tell a story to say, I think the trap for some people and me included, specifically in your teenage years, because it's just such an insecure time, is that you develop these identities that maybe aren't true. Like yeah. oh, I'm not a public speaker. Well, how long are you gonna carry that? Or I'm not a morning person. Okay, well, how long are you going to carry that? And I think that that's sometimes a big miss. Well, yeah, it's funny. You and I were talking about this off camera. We were just catching up uh, while Coleman was getting everything set up for us this morning. And um, you know, you were sharing with me that you're on day like 56 of 75 hard. Yeah, I got to look at my camera. I think it's like 54 or 55. And about um, two months ago now, I actually um, covered 75 hard pretty extensively because it was something that I completed um, beginning of this year, I started end of last year. Um, and, and without making the show about 75 hard, just imagine this for anyone who doesn't know what it is for 75 consecutive days, you must drink a gallon of water. You must work out twice a day. Each workout needs to be a minimum of 45 minutes. And one has to be outside, regardless of weather conditions has to be outside. You have to follow a healthy diet. You have to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book and you have to take a picture of yourself for 75 consecutive days. If you miss one of those items any day, you have to start over. So you and I were talking about your experiences. I was like, oh my God, dude, you have lost a ton of weight. You're like, I can't keep any weight on. And um, we were talking about the books you were reading and what's the hardest part of 75 hard and what are you trying to get out of it? Because for me, what I got out of it was just the big life lesson of yes, you can. Sure. But what you just said that reminded me to, to talk about 75 hard was, um, you know, someone saying, you know, that, that they, they can't, well, like, no, I once had someone tell me, oh, I could never do 75 hard because I can't read nonfiction. I'm like, think about that. I can't like, well, can you read? And she was like, well, yeah, I can read. I'm like, well, if you can read, you can read nonfiction. You're just choosing not to just like you're saying someone who can't, oh, I, I'm not a morning person. Mm, have you tried? Right. Like, I mean, that's a big, right. Like just be careful on how much like you identify with this 
person that just doesn't do or can't do because it's just a slippery slope. I mean, there may be things that you choose. Hey, look, I enjoy myself more at night. So I'm like, okay, cool. But don't like pigeonhole and blame your lack of, you know, effectiveness in the morning on the fact that there was this gift from God that works against you. And, yeah. and you know, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. I, I, I think I'm sure there's chemical people that are more night owls and mornings. I just I mean, think there, that's a common one. There are people born with no legs who run races. They, like, Period. Yeah. There period. was there. And by the way, I, I ran a half marathon last year. There were what people passing me. I ran a 948 mile. Okay. Consistently. So okay. I don't know what the total time is, but sub 10 was my goal. Okay. And I awesome. was super proud of myself, but it was like, there was people passing me. They did not look like they should have been passing. Me. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, this is as fast as I could go. What is that person doing? Are yeah. they like locked into something mentally that I don't know about? I had like 70 year old ladies passing me, and I was like, oh my god, like it's. It, it, well, see, they have bionic hips, and your hips haven't been replaced yet. Uh, yeah. And the hip was the biggest problem for me, but that's a whole nother yeah. level. Okay, um, I, I digress. I apologize, but you're talking about you ran a half marathon in December. Yep. Yeah, so that was 2019. Yep. So just, uh, you know, I, I think the experience of like like these people that are beating me essentially that don't look like they should be clearly in their head, you're not going to yeah. tell them that they're not yeah. a runner, right? Yeah, no, I, I think you you pulled that from when I'm I'm like, you know, there's people with no legs. Yes. Born born with yeah. no legs that run races. Yes. Like, yes, you can. Yep. Like, yeah, yes, you can do it. Um, two more questions for you. Uh, I'm going to start with with the business aspect. So, because you've you've now been a partner at Urban Young for a decade. Yeah, almost right? uh, almost a decade. Looking back, what are two of the biggest lessons you have learned? Like, and they could have been because you totally foobarred something. Uh, which you know, some of the best things that we learn in life come from the mistakes we've made. Looking back, if you were giving advice to somebody who was not a decade into their own endeavor or their own business venture. Um, what have you learned that you can share with others to shorten their learning curve? Man, that is a such a broad question that brings to mind so many things. I think about first, because we're now 10 years in, and, and as you know, there are cycles in your business where, you know, first it was all just about sweat equity and just getting after it and just taking no money and reinvesting it all back in the business and, and just being more willing than the other guy in my head. That was what it was about in the early years. And, and then it kind of progressed to make sure that you're putting other people first consistently if you're hiring an employee and, and so on and so forth and treating people right. Um, and then also, you know, just beginning with the end in mind, don't just do something a certain way without an understanding of what this looks like and make sure things are duplicatable and scalable and, um, but you know, it, it always ebbs and flows depending on what cycle of your life or your business that you're in. But I think one thing I value, and I think it's underrated throughout our experience as partners, because I have two other partners. One's my older brother, the other's Rod Herb, who I consider a brother. Um, you know, a lot of times the, the best times in our business is when our relationship's the best, when our high level of communication. Um, and sometimes the challenging times in our business has come when our lack of communication or maybe we just aren't hanging out enough. So I don't know if that is relevant to the listener, but I think it's important whether it be a partnership, business partnership or a marriage is that you have to take inventory of those key people around you and make sure that, you know, that, that, that that's tight because that affects the rest of the macro throughout the organization. Um, because if you're going to lead or if you're going to do anything that um, you're going to be in charge of anything or if people watching you, it's got to be genuine. You know, and, and, and you can't fake it for, for long. You can fake it short 
term. Yeah. Can't fake it for long. So that's what comes to mind. No, um, I love that answer because like I literally, as you're sitting there talking, I'm processing and I'm thinking of my marriage. I'm thinking about my relationship with my kids and, and even my own uh, career where I, like you, have two equal business partners. Right. And if it weren't for the two of them, there's no way I would be where I am in my career. But more importantly, we, we wouldn't be where we are. Um, and you're saying this and I'm thinking we... Me and my two partners, David and Mike, we need to go do something together. We need to continue working on that relationship. And throughout the years, look, we have. I mean, we have vacationed together. We've done business retreats together. Right. Um, but it might be time to circle back and, and harness that relationship because we can't be the leaders that we need to be to our sales team or to our operations team if the three of us aren't, aren't jiving and the three of us aren't grooving and the three of us aren't enjoying each other because that will permeate throughout the ranks. It's like growing together, whether you, you mentioned your marriage, right? Like if one person is just super interested in something and they're just all about it, super passionate, and the other is like kind of like, ah, that's fine for a little while. But then, then there's like this disconnect where you're like, hey, you, you're really into this and you kind of like grew over here. And I I didn't really come along for the way. I, I think that's some somewhat of a fear for me. And I think as you know, the ebbs and flows and the time and the cycles in your business, that's one constant you can really hone in on is your own personal development, your own growth, but your relationships with those that are growing alongside of you to make sure that you, you know, you water the grass. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, real quick on 75 hard, because I, just, I had this personal question and why wait until we're off camera to ask when I can ask it to you now, what was your motivation to do it? And then second, you're two thirds of the way complete what, what are you learning from doing it? Like, what is it teaching you? Yeah. My motivation to do it was, uh, actually my brother and business partner did something. They did uh 48 miles in 48 hours. Oh, they did that. Yeah. They yeah. Did, that's they did the, that. uh, David Goggins every four, every four hours you have to wake up and like run yeah. four miles. Yeah. yeah. So okay. that was like, and, and you know, they, they said they were doing it and I was like, yeah, that's just not, I'm not into it. Right. And that's okay. Right. You don't have to just do every single challenge. But it kind of like sparked the fact that when they were halfway through it, I regretted not doing it. Like I wanted to be there with them and experience the pain and have the story at the end of it. So once they completed it, I think subconsciously I was like, the next thing that comes my way, I'm going to I'm gonna do it. And it was probably, I don't know, like 20, 30 days in a quarantine. And I was borderline about to check myself in AA because <laughs> I'm like, I think I've had a drink every night and I've, you know, I've eight bad, you know, I'm like gaining weight and I'm like, we're supposed to be locked down until when, <laughs> you know, like, this isn't going to be good. So I just looked at, uh, you know, my wife and was like, Hey, like I'm doing this, you know? And I sent a text out to kind of like my little mastermind group. And I said, Hey, I'm getting leverage on myself right now. I'm doing this and I'm not backing out. I'm just making it. Yeah. And that's key in anything in life. You, you, to me, you have to talk about it. You have to share it. If anything, just to hold yourself accountable. Just yeah. Cause I, I would have backed out. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just, but you get leverage on yourself. So so that's why I did it. Um, it certainly wasn't for the result. Like, I'm not thrilled that my pants don't fit. Like, as silly as that sounds, I mean, I'm not but, thrilled. I look like a clown. They're bunched up. Yeah. And I know I, that, I call them hobo pants. Yeah. Like, when, when your belt scrunches your waistline all together. Yeah. And, of course, this is the first time I actually put on dress clothes in a yeah. while. And I'm like, oh, no. Um, so what I've learned from it, and I think I tried to share this off mic, and I'll probably butcher this, is that... Um, I think people overvalue balance in the short term and undervalue balance in the long term 
Meaning that for me personally, if I really go at something hard for three, four weeks, in this case, 75 days, some people are like, oh my God, it's just so much time. I can never do that. And you're like, but is it? People struggle with chronic illnesses for decades. Like you're telling me that 75 days is like what you choose to believe is like this infinity. Yeah, it's roughly 20% it's, of a year. And and I I was when the first time I saw like, say somebody like you, or I had like these multiple inspirations where I see like more people to do it. That was my first time. I'm like, yeah, 75 days. Like I'm a social creature. I can't, no alcohol. I mean, yeah. I'm a glass of wine. That's crazy. I'm not going to do that. And so I think what it's taught me is that you can really get somebody where if you focus your efforts and go all in, whether that's three months, three weeks, whatever it may be. And then long-term coming out of this, I think it's very important to find a sustainable, balanced approach rather than, you know, I'm, I'm going to eat a carb again, right? Like at some point I, I got to eat a carb. Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm not going to do this forever. Yeah, no, and that was, uh, and I've shared this over and over again, so I don't want to bore people, but it, for me it was, yes, you can. Literally, yes, yeah. you can. If, if you can do this, you can really do anything. It also, um, and I'd probably pull this from uh, one of my closest friends, Joey, who turned me on to 75 hard. It was, um, and, and you alluded to this, which, which reminded me of it. There's a lot of time in the day yes. that probably goes wasted. It, There's a lot 100%. of time in the day because you can take your picture, drink your water, work out twice a day, read your 10 pages. You can do all of this and still be a good spouse and still be a good parent and still dedicate yourself to your career and still have fun. I mean, yep. I went to the Zach Brown band concert and I didn't drink. Yes. I guess what? I was the DD. My wife loved it. Yep. Um, now I was all hopped up on caffeine. Like I probably had every type of five hour energy you can get your hands <laughs> oh, on. That's funny. Uh, but you know, it, I, I still had an active social life. Um, and for me, the byproduct was losing 30 pounds. The yes. byproduct was, look, I'm, I'm signed up for two half marathons. I'm going to uh, compete in at least one, if not two sprint triathlons. That was just all byproduct of me really exploring if I didn't waste time and I opened myself up to saying yes to things that maybe appeared to be hard, what all I could get done. Boom. So the podcast, your podcast, not my podcast, your podcast, the Being Extraordinary podcast. Yes. Um, in a nutshell, what is the motivation what is the inspiration and the overall theme of the podcast and how can people find it? Well, you can, uh, the Be Extraordinary podcast, anywhere that podcasts are out, we are on YouTube as well. If you want to watch a video, we're having a blast with it. Um, it actually started by a commitment to us as business partners to hang out more. Okay. So it's actually a platform that allows us to obviously engage in meaningful conversations and we'll have guests, but it, you know, selfishly, it's about us getting together and talking about stuff that's interesting and sharing what, you know, is true to us. And so that's been really cool. So yeah, please tune in. We'd love the feedback. Um, and, and hopefully get something out of it. Well, um, I think that the first episode I saw, you guys weren't even like in Orlando. You were on vacation or on like a business yeah, partner I think retreat. E episode three, it was our okay. it was our nine year anniversary. We got away and and uh, you know we had a blast the night before, and then and then shot a podcast the next day. It's all stuff that we probably would talk about, you know, off camera too. And just starting to to record, it's been a, a fun new muscle for yeah. sure. Well, yeah, th th that's what uh, Coleman and I have realized, and even you and I today. So much of what we just do in our daily interactions, it's like, oh my God, I wish I had a camera for that. I wish I had a yeah. microphone for that. Um, because the 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 goal, I'm sure, with your podcast isn't necessarily to make money. No, yeah. It's to inspire people. Sure. It's it's to entertain people. It's to um, you know, 
bring something of relevance or sometimes it's just to let people know, hey, you're not alone. Like, like we, you know, we all are for the most part pretty ordinary. Yes. Although the podcast is about being extraordinary. I'm, I'm glad you said that, right? I think you hear be extraordinary and it's, it's, it's Superman, right? That's, that's what you, that's what I look at, but I, I look at it quite the contrary. I look at, you know, the be extraordinary podcast is about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yep. That was uh, for me, one of the, the, the biggest hurdles or obstacles uh, I had to overcome probably in those college years, early 20 years going into my thirties was the realization that as a person, I am not extraordinary. Right. I am ordinary. Now that helped me tremendously moving forward, everything from how I interact with my clients to how I interact with um, the sales associates that I mentor and coach to um, really this podcast that we're doing today was I was realizing, well, if I'm just ordinary, that means more people are like me this versus not like me. That means they have the same fears, the same thoughts, uh, they have the same worries. Maybe they had a very similar upbringing. And if I can take some of my experiences, because maybe I've been able to experience some extraordinary things. Absolutely. And maybe I've been able to, to experience more extraordinary things than, than, than others. Let's share that. Let's talk about that. Or maybe I'm just more willing to share. And, and, and good for you. I appreciate you sharing. I know that. So from this guy over here, and you know what's true to me, and I thought about this last night a lot. I'm not disciplined because I am strong. I'm disciplined because I am weak. Yeah, right? that's awesome. Say so that again. I'm, I'm not disciplined or have discipline because I am strong inherently. It's because I'm inherently weak. It's, it's because if that pie sits there too long, I will eat it, <laughs> right? So what I try to do now when people come over and they bring sweets or my wife's grandmother makes us them? a pie, I throw it in the trash can <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Okay. And I try Note to, to sell. I try to do it. Party, no, 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 no I, I, I try to do it not in front of people. Yeah. But if we have like a rep that comes in and they bring donuts into the office and I am there, there is a chance that I grab them and immediately throw them away. Look, everyone's got to have, I don't do that because I'm strong. Yeah. I do that because I'm weak. Yes. So. No. And that, that literally probably applies to so many aspects of our life. It's easy to talk about it from a nutritional standpoint. Um, I do the same exact thing. I think you never talked about that. I was just yelling at my wife because she brought in uh, M&M like cookies. How, the ones from Publix. How dare her. And I'm like, and look, we had my cousin in town with her daughters and we were having a great time and we we're at the pool. And I'm like, why are you, why are you buying this junk? And she goes, well, why are you eating it? I was like, oh, touche. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what my wife said this morning? I said, oh my God, my pants don't fit. She goes, wait till you gain the weight back before you buy new pants. I'm oh. like, What? <laughs> How dare oh, you? Got you got gotta love that support, right? They um that's why we love them though, because they tell it like it is. <laughs> I said they I'll keep buy new pants. I need both. I need yeah. large pants and I need skinny pants. Oh man. Um any any parting thoughts or parting parting shots? I, I so appreciate you. You only came in to do one episode. You and I got talking. I'm like, you know what? Let's stay for two. Let's just let's do one all about insurance and let's just do one you and I doing our thing. Yeah. This was you and I doing our thing. Um, hopefully people have, have maybe found a takeaway or a tie down, or, um, maybe they've found a little bit of motivation at a minimum. Hopefully we kept them entertained. Yeah. Um, but any party shots for me, for the audience? Um, yeah, man. And this isn't scripted, but this, you asked about the podcast and you're, you know, and, and my admiration for you for starting something in this podcast is just, 
you know, everyone should have a voice. You know, when this podcast thing started happening for us and, and we're only eight, nine episodes in or whatever it is, right? You're like, gosh, there's so many podcasts now. You can find mm-hmm. a podcast about everything. And you go, well, what's wrong with that? Yeah. You, it just, you know, everyone should have a voice. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to listen, but some people will, and it may change somebody's life. And I think um, being in proximity to people like you, again, I need that because I'm weak, not because I'm strong. So iron hopefully sharpens iron, and I've really, really enjoyed the time, and I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, it, it always does, and I appreciate you, Taylor. Um, you are listening to the Lone Officer Podcast. He's Taylor Young. I'm Dustin Owen, and we're out. Thank you.